This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the BSN Buffs podcast, and we're coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern, the lovely, the beautiful, and the eventful Blake Street Tavern. You never know who you're going to run into here, as we always say. Uh, a certain former Nuggets coach who was fired after the same year he won Coach of the Year is sitting about 30 feet from us. Uh, Not wearing Nuggets gear. Wearing North Carolina gear. Is, All uh, North Carolina. Literally everything was blue. His so alma mater. His alumnus. Uh, nope. Uh, Just his alma mater. Anyway, <laughs> they've got chicken and waffles here tomorrow, Saturday special. I might what? have to come down here before the baseball game. Uh, and get some chicken and waffles. Such for a southern thing. Who are the Rockies playing tomorrow? Uh, the Giants. San Francisco, um, yes. El- has no Deep relevance. Anyways, uh, this is the place. This is home to where the BSN Buffaloes roam. So if you're in the area, come check out Blake Street Tavern. Or if you're not in the area, come check out Blake Street Tavern. I have driven come down from Boulder Denver many a time. Come to Denver for Blake Street Tavern. Exactly, for Blake Street Tavern. Honestly, though, if you're, if you're not coming here before Rockies games, you're doing it wrong. There's parking. So you have to pay, but still, like it's parking close to the stadium. Great food, great drinks, great people. Great people. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. 40, 40, 40, Colorado. Started calling him Mike Mack and Crier. Yeah, How does I'm he looking, find love you, at the Walrus. You know, you can't find love at Rihanna the Walrus. Rihanna said you can. <laughs> I know. Stop. No, I've never been mad before. Now, you are your hosts, Ryan Koenigsberg, Jake Shapiro, and Ali Monroy. Step one, be attractive. Step two, don't be unattractive. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast. We are back. Uh, Jake Shapiro. Ryan Koenigsberg, Ali Monroy, uh, both of y'all were on vacation. You were, Ryan, I'm pointing at you. Pe- visu- people no cannot one can see, see bad podcasting. Pointing, Starting off with some bad podcasts. Ryan, you were in Mexico? Incorrect. Oh, wow. God, I'm so. I'm taking Spanish now, so I think I know everything about Latin America. Where were you? Belize. Central America. You better Belize you were. Exactly. 
It was unbelievable. Like, yeah, you used that hashtag pun how many times? I don't know. It was all I over your Snapchat. It was really cool until in Belize, every single thing is branded with those puns. And it made those puns very bad. Like, like it, every single shop is like unbelievable, sh- like surf shop. And like, just, it's all, yeah, it was pretty bad. They drove that one into the ground. So the trip was ruined because of bad puns. No, the trip was amazing because I swam with manatees. Which you described <laughs> as what earlier? Uh, floating fish turds. <laughs> but they're actually mammals, not fish. Or turds. Get it right. Well, they're, they're just, they are turds. They're just mammalized turds. All right. Anyway, Allie's back so too. Cute. Uh, and I am back. I've been at work the entire time, so. Feels like it's been forever. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot of interesting details. Y'all were in uh, the, uh, at, at the place where they decided what they were going to do basically with McIntyre's contract. You were at the last Board of Regents meetings where all of the uh, reports came out. And that's the main topic on today's podcast is, one, the reports, our reaction to them. Two, how we feel they handled Mike McIntyre's contract after these reports have come down. Basically, they approved them two days later, a contract that was already agreed upon in, I don't know, early January, I believe. Uh, but it's a contract we've discussed on the podcast before, uh, but we're going to discuss it again here because I think some things have changed as well as the reports. Uh, we also got some Derek White news. Uh, it's not a BSN Buffs podcast without Derek White news. I also want to give out a, a shout-out to Tamasaki Healy, who's actually a big reader and follower of BSN Buffs and gets his haircut at the same place I do. Hence, why we both have the same haircut and good-looking hair. I didn't know he had the same barber as me, but I told him one day, I go up to him, I'm like, Thomas, I got the Aki Healy at the barber shop. Next time I went up to my barber, I found out that Thomas was getting his haircut at the same barber shop. What's the name of the shop? Brooklyn Barber Academy, you've got that over on uh, Valmont and uh, like 20, between 28th and 30th on Valmont. Uh, my guy Jamal, who just started the business, uh, I think he's in his first full year, it just started. Uh, I've been getting my haircut from him before he started his own business, but great guy. He's got a little kid that plays in North Boulder Little League too. Takes care of my whole family. Uh, great dudes over there uh, and obviously cut good hair. You got to get the, the Buffs version of uh, a day at the barbershop. I've been trying, but there's some NCA violation potential stuff there. Um, as long as they pay for their cuts. Yeah, I've been trying to work on that. I actually have been trying to work on that. Anyway, uh, and Jamal's into it too, so we'll try to get that. But shout out to Thomas, uh, long story short, because he signed a pro contract and he's been a good friend of ours and an ally of ours uh, as long as he was with CU, and I'm really happy for Thomas. So shout out to Thomas. Uh, and then the final thing is we've got some fun stuff at the end of the podcast, but let's get into the bulk of it, the meat of it. First, guys, you read these reports. I, I read the whole thing or just about. Uh, what were you shocked by, if you were shocked by anything? Uh, we, I mean, we've pretty much had this timeline down, nailed to a T, since I first reported it in February, and obviously we were working on that timeline beforehand. Uh, so we've known most of what happened when and who knew what when, but some of the details were really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you pointed out a couple of the eye-popping things on Twitter. Um, nothing was all that eye-popping to me. I thought it was a bit eye-popping that amidst a very light, light punishment for all parties, I would say, uh, 
President Benson said, some people are going to say these penalties are too harsh. Like, not even <laughs> oh Mike McIntyre or even Phil DeStefano can say uh, the penalties are too harsh. Um, but this is kind of a, a, a story I was thinking about writing, a column I was thinking about writing, and this is my main takeaway from this whole thing. And it's knowing what I know about college football, having worked around it, having watched it for a while, having seen a couple of scandals like this, should I feel like a bad person for loving college football as much as I do? Because college football is a dirty, 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 dirty business. I mean, you've got people getting slapped on the wrist for much worse than what happened here, and, and this is horrible. So the more and more I, I watch the sport, and I think anyone that knows me knows college football is my number one. But the more and more you, you see stuff like this, and I saw Mark Kizzle's column about the optics of giving Mike McIntyre's extension, and these people, they just don't care. They're just, it's just dirty, it's grimy, it's, it's not, there's nothing holy about college football. And every year I feel a little bit more dirty watching it and liking it. I'm kind of upset that you took that take because I was going to double down on that and I thought we were going to have opposing views on this. But I, I was very proud as a CU student, someone that's very involved in the community, someone that considers himself a Boulderite through and through, living there for 10 years now. Um, I was very proud of the way both McIntyre and Rick George handled themselves. I think they handled themselves throughout that whole thing and reading them. They, they only made a few mistakes in even their verbiage and their recollection. I thought they did a very good job. Now, as a CU student, I want Phil DeStefano off my campus right now. The way he handled that situation is pathetic. And when they, the conversation that really caught my eye was when Rick George asked Phil DeStefano how they're going to handle it, DeStefano thought about how are we going to cover this up, not how are we going or, or are we make it how go are we going to make it go away or how are we going to make this go away and still extend Tumpkin or promote him, not how are we going to solve this issue. And that to me is disgusting and made me feel really bad about being someone that is rooted for the Buffaloes before, works in this community, all of this stuff. And I, I just came away feeling filthy about that. And then I really liked Mark Kisla's column. And I, I think Mark Kisla does a great job generally. Fantastic. Um, he, he is so underrated, and I know fans don't like him, but that's literally what his job is to do is to make you guys angry. And he's so good at it. He's just a, the best devil's advocate ever. Right. And what I will say is the optics of bsnbuffsrightnow.com, if you go there, the two latest breaking news headlines are – Mike McIntyre fined 100K, and Mike McIntyre given $16.5 million for the next six years. Tell me how that looks. Tell me how that looks if you are a victim of sexual assault or uh, know someone that's a victim of sexual assault. This is terrible from CU to just do it within the same week. Mike McIntyre deserves this extension and should totally get it. In the future, he's been a terrific football coach for CU. He's turned the football program around. He's engineered the rise. We all know what he's done. But for CU to extend him in the same week that he was fined for something as heinous as this possibly could have been, I don't, I'm not saying Mike McIntyre did something wrong, but it's a heinous act by someone that he was employing, basically, and someone he worked with, it just it doesn't look right and it doesn't come across right to me. I agree with that. I mean, um, the victim came out and said that she was, like, appalled with... Um, victim's lawyer. The victim's lawyer Said came out. she was. Yeah. 
um, that she was appalled with, um, the discipline that CU is imposing. I mean, 10-day suspension without pay. Someone asked uh, the PR person during um, the press conference, like, what does that do? What is 10 days? And he was like, well, you know, you can see if there's any other... Um, administrator or whatever administrator in the country that has a 10-day suspension like no one does like that is a big deal but it's because they would have gotten fired if like who does 10-day suspensions without pay like that's like a vacation for DeStefano in my opinion and I agree I don't think he should be on our campus um, but like you both said McIntyre and Rick George didn't know how to handle the situation and that's also what they talked about during the press conference is that they have had training for a lot of things, but they've had training to, for how to deal with sexual assault. They've never had to deal or be trained on how to handle a situation where a colleague of theirs is in a domestic violence case with someone who isn't involved with the school. Like, that is a really hard topic to kind of be involved in. And obviously, morally, you have your things that you would choose to do and the way you choose to react. But their hands were tied, you know, like both of them did what they were told to do and as messed up as that was they really had no other like they were stuck they had no way to really figure out like i know i, sh I should talk to her i know i should morally do this like i don't know what to do lawyers are saying lawyers this. are saying this and i don't want to get in that. trouble like blah blah i don't want to put myself in trouble and so like even mike mcintyre's statement said the administration and um the lawyers or the administration said support him when he said that he never meant to act in bad faith. But I just go back, and we'll talk a little bit more about the press conference, um, I think, in a second here. But uh, Mike, Mike McKnight, who, was, who we'll talk about, who was absolutely just blowing up oh my God. Uh, the, the PR guys for CU. We'll get into that a little bit more later. But he asked a question. And it was a stupid question because the answer was obvious. But the true answer isn't that obvious. His question was, can you tell me honestly that the fact that CU was in the midst of a 10-win season didn't have an effect on how this was handled? Now, a, a guy who works in PR for CU is never going to say, yes, that's the answer. But I think every one of us and anyone who watched, who knows about this situation can agree that the fact that CU was in the midst of a 10-win season did affect how things were handled. It changed everything. It did, because... They, you know, you you don't want this to become public in the middle of a season where your PR is as good as it's been in 10 years. Um, you don't want to mess with the defense that's ranked in the top 10 of the country. And, and let's be honest, we go as far back as to just last year, the middle of 2015, that middle of the season, there were rumors that we were hearing, legitimate rumors, that Mike McIntyre might step down and take a job at a non-Power 5 school. So if you're telling me that's happening within that year, they can break that whole staff apart in a second. So, I'm sorry, there's no way you can ever convince me that that didn't have an effect on the way things were handled because anyone knows, and even, even your own human nature would tell you that if I was in that position, I would probably be doing everything I can to try and balance both things. Make sure my ass is safe, make sure nothing that I'm doing is going to be affected by this while still hoping that you, you know, the victim gets taken care of and that the, the legal process plays itself out. But there's no chance in hell you can say that there wasn't someone in there wishing, okay, let's just make sure that this doesn't come out until after the season. And 
and you know you can say that's anti CU or whatever, but to me, there's no way you can convince me that that that's not what happened. And well, especially with the turnover in the defensive coordinator situation, I want to make this point or these two points about Mike McIntyre. One, he should know these rules. He's expected to know these rules, and all legally and all the school bylaws say he should know these rules. My take on it. He's a football coach. I don't personally expect him to know how to handle a sexual assault thing. I expect him to coach football. And domestic I expect him, assault. right, or, or domestic assault, sorry. I expect him to report it to his superiors, and that's what, he's, what he did. So I don't fault him there. My second takeaway is the first thing I said when I heard everything about Mike McIntyre uh, and them trying to paint him as a villain, I go, this is the guy in a contract here. He's got a couple kids. He's got a family. He's very religious. I think he's just trying to protect himself based on what Sports Illustrated dropped. I didn't think he was a villain. I think he was just trying to paint himself or, or trying to protect his family. And you see that in the more detailed report released that he, he almost immediately sucked counsel and found someone to get advice from. Uh, and I still continue on that point. Mike McIntyre was not a villain. He was just trying to protect his family. I agree with that 100%. I just everything that you said, I agree. But going back on what um, Ryan was talking about is I think it definitely would have been different if it wasn't a winning season. I mean, even for the fans, if your team is has won three games all season, Mike McIntyre hasn't done anything, is failing you, and then you hear about this huge scandal, you're like, what? Get him out of here. I don't want him here. Yeah, you best believe there would have been a witch hunt if the Buffs were 2-10 and 10 and Mike Mac and this comes out. You best believe every he single would be fan out. would have said, get him the hell out of here. Like, he's not helping our school. He's this. All this stuff is going on. Like, no way. Of course him winning and fans being supportive and him winning coach of the year in almost every category had something to do with the way the situation was handled. I mean, people were mad with how Embry was coaching the Buffs and how he was handling his team just because he was a player's coach and was giving them leeway with that level of... I, I don't know, incompetence in the winning-losing record. Uh, so imagine if there's an actual legitimate scandal rather than Embry's letting his players have slack. Here's gonna, I'm going to bring it back around to my original point oh here. If you want your football team to win games in the, in the NCAA at the highest level, you have to, you absolutely have to be okay with sketchy stuff. You have to be okay with sketchy stuff. That's just how it is. You have to be okay with cover-ups. You have to be okay with lying to recruits. You have to be okay with a whole bunch of things that you probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing with yourself. If you want to win in college football, you want your team to be successful, you have to be okay with your program doing dirty things. Your morals change right. is what you're saying, and they have to. You sacrifice some moral to win some football games. I agree with that, but to a certain extent, like, I don't, yes, for your team to win, the quarterback of your team committed sexual assault and you want your team to win the season, like, that's still, like, morally. You, you as a personally, 90% of college football coaches would find a way to cover that up. Right, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying you have to personally be okay with that act. I'm saying you have to personally be okay with, for your football team to be successful, there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on behind I mean, the scenes that you might with, not even know about. What have we been saying with Tad Boyle for years? If Tad doesn't want to pay his players, this is about as high as the program's going to get. 
Yeah, I mean that's a that's a whole other it's the, thing. But it's the, it's but around the same what thing. I, what I'm saying here is you have to you don't have to know about it explicitly, but you have to know that if your team is going to be successful, uh, the program as a whole has to be okay with with shifting their morals a little bit. Okay, you shift your morals, and then the news breaks, someone leaks it to the media, then your whole program and you are completely, like, trashed. Well, look, I mean, look at every single... Go down the line of all the successful programs in college football and try and find me one that hasn't had a scandal here and there. You basically sacrifice the fact that one day you might get in trouble for trying to win tomorrow. And these coaches will get hired again somewhere else. Yeah, because in the end, you, all that matters is winning. And you can have the, a, a dirty, nasty scandal, but... When a team that has a rich tradition goes 2-10 and ten, and they know that they can bring in this guy and he might be able to do some things behind the scenes and sweep a few things under the rug, they're going to win some more football games in the end, they're going to hire that guy again. So, yeah, you do risk the chance of uh, a, a bad article here and there being written about you, but that's the price you pay to be successful at this level. It just really is. As I, to me... With like with like cases like sexual assault, that's like disgusting to me. And like I understand that that's what happens in the business, but at least like it's not okay. As a girl, like how how would you feel safe walking around on campus if you know that football players I, can yeah. or any team can really like get away because you know their coach might possibly put that over them? Especially schools like I don't know the hunting grounds, like school like Florida State, which that whole thing went down, and even fans were like, "Oh, she was the one who put herself in that situation. Like it's her fault." I don't know. Obviously, I understand that's what the business is, and I understand no, that you, sometimes. I it's, mean, I'll, I'll you say don't this: have to accept you this. don't have to accept this, and I'll say this even from a guy's perspective. I've done some things that would be okay to Ryan or okay to some average Joe CU student that don't fly with the football team. Just things that are normal that you walk up to them and say in public or whatever. And I swear to God, the only reason why I have not been taken, that hasn't been taken out on me directly is because they know who I am and it would result badly on them. I have done some things defending myself where, you know, it ends up in a situation where it's like, yo, screw this guy, screw this guy. Where with the football team, if I'm some other person on campus and they don't know who I am, that results They'll in them getting beaten up. They'll kick your ass so down. what I am saying is if this is happening to just guys and, it's, it, it, and there's a different culture for guys, I, I've seen it on a college level with my friends. I've seen it happen to people that work at BSN Buffs. It, there's just a different standard set for the fo college football players than there is for regular college students, and that's not acceptable, but I don't know how you fix well, it. I mean, that's also a different standard with even, like, if you're a girl, like, if you're a woman reporter with college football players, it's, it, they don't respect it the way you do, the way they respect you, you know. They, they still do what they are going to do. Right. But and that, so yeah. I, it's just messed but up. It's me it is messed up, and, and we're talking about a school in Boulder, where this is, where football is way down the list of priorities. You talked about Florida State. Those are the places where the coach has an in with the police department. Right, Jaleel Aweeni's probably not going to the jail that night. Yeah, no. The, what they're doing is they're calling up Coach McIntyre at two in the morning and say, "Hey, Coach, you know we, we got an issue down here with the players." Coach says, "Don't you worry about it, Officer. That's going to be taken care of in my office tomorrow morning." They say, all right, coach, good luck this Saturday, and hang up. Yeah, well, it's because it. everyone has such deep-rooted ties, and, I mean, I'm from the East Coast, been to Florida a lot, know I have a lot of friends who go to Alabama and stuff like that, and it's just completely different. But 
and here it's completely different as well but it's as a girl walking on campus like with that in mind like you think at least that the coaches would have a way to like defend the per the victim and i'm not this is completely off topic from what happened with mcintyre and that victim but i don't know it's 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 hard for me to really accept that that's happening on college campuses and that's what and that goes back to my original point college football in between the lines on Saturday is to me like sports perfection but how like how do you morally get past knowing what's going on behind the scenes and I think anyone listening to this podcast agrees that college football is a dirty dirty sport and so the more and the, the older you get and the more you, you know about this stuff the more you understand it it makes it harder to really support what's going on. I want to get to what you guys saw in the press conference, but I want to make one final point. If anyone gets as far as vehemently disagrees with us about what we've been saying, I will say I, I know it's hard to understand some of these things because you see these guys uh, and we are talking about it abstractly and it's kind of hard to get down to what, what really is going on, but what we will say is based on our inform information, which is privileged in a way, um, this is a great example of something that got to be public that could have gone the complete opposite direction where the Buffs covered it up and Joe Tumpkin is still the defensive coordinator or gets promoted to defensive coordinator and it so easily could have gone that way. The victim so easily could have not spoken out and I'm so happy that she did. Uh, and, and she's probably going through hell again with all these people saying things about her and uh, trying to sue the school for money and I, I saw some nasty comments about that. But what is most important is that someone spoke out and someone is trying to put a stop to it and try, try to change the culture a little bit. And I applaud that very much so. So if you disagree with what we've been saying, just look at what happened to your university and how close it could have gone to being the absolute opposite. The president or the chancellor of the university, Phil DiStefano, was this close. And I, I mean, I, I am holding my thumb to my pointer <laughs> finger so closely was this close to having us to, to covering this up and this being a major scandal if it ever would have gotten out so just consider yourselves lucky that it happened this way and that this is all that ha came of it but as our point is it is so hard to justify rooting for college football if there was a game on Saturday for me because of just all of what we just went through and I could only imagine being a Baylor fan with the conscience that I have or, or a team that is going through something way more to the magnitude of, of real heinous acts not that this wasn't so uh, I've got to talk to you about Spring Valley Golf Club two courses in one offering nine holes link style and nine holes traditional tree line you're going to love the new renovated green side bunkers with a European twist grind what are, what is it Stack bunker walls. bunker walls. Come and try fast and true greens that this 18-hole championship course delivers or get lessons from our PGA professional golf pros, which makes no sense, Brandon. And then eat at our award-winning restaurant, Spring Valley Golf Club, is in Elizabeth, just a few miles from Parker and less than 45 minutes from downtown Denver. Just off the beaten path, but closer than you think. Book your tee time today at springvalleygolf.com. Uh, you guys were at this press conference where all this weird things went down. I didn't wasn't there and I didn't hear the stuff. So why was this press conference so odd to you guys? Well, you, know, you can go. Allie it was just have, like one big thing. Allie and I walked into this press conference 
and it's a it's not your usual press conference where players are sitting or players or coaches sitting behind a podium and and uh, you know the the media is sitting down and everyone is kind of there's a separation. This is a thing where CU's PR and their lawyer was standing uh, as far as you guys are. So we're all sitting at the same table, that far away from the media. And the second we open the door and get in there, uh, the, the Mike McKnight, the guy who wrote the original Sports Illustrated story, was closer than any of uh, we are. Like in his in face, the face, basically. Of CU's PR guy, just grilling him. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. And the funny thing is I was telling Allie on the way over to it, Mark, I saw that Mark Kizzle was there, and I was like, man, I bet you Mark Kizzle has a pretty legit line of questioning uh, for these guys. Mark Kizzle <laughs> was sitting in the back. He looked at me like, what are we witnessing right now? Mike McKnight from, from Sports Illustrated asked, I think I'm being generous by saying 30 questions in a row, and... I wish we had this on video because at one point it became contentious yeah. where CU's lawyer said, stop it, stop it. You're giving a speech. If you have a question, ask a question, but you're giving a speech right now. He's also Don't, was like... You can't talk like that. Yeah, and you then, can't talk like that. And Mike uh, McKnight was like, I can talk. Actually, I can talk however I want to. And everyone in the meeting, like, so ev- no one was asking questions except Mike. Everyone was silent. You could barely get a question in. And there was uh, everyone from the Denver Post was there. There was CBS. Who else was there? Uh, Daily Camera. Daily Camera. There's so many people there. And legitimately, no one could really ask a question because he would just completely interrupt. And then. He, and I'll right. say this he had some very good questions. He did. Like, he was asking the questions that local media probably wouldn't be asking. Uh, he was really, really getting down. But he also did something that I thought was completely unacceptable, which. In a press conference setting, just made it 100% oh, yeah. completely personal. Asking this guy, "How come you didn't? How come you didn't alert me about this press conference? How come I had to find out through the grapevine? Why didn't you text me or email me or call me? Like, just going off, uh, like in front of everyone when other people have actual questions." So it was crazy. I've honestly, I've never seen anything like it before. I'll probably never see anything like it again. He was just so he got, rude. He got some interesting answers. He had some really interesting questions, but man, he acted like this was closely personal to him like he like it was very intense and probably a little bit over the line but but wild to watch well he also uh one of the reporters there he asked a question mike mcknight asked a question and no one really understood the question he asked and one of the reporters was like one of the reporters was like oh i think you mean it this way and tried to rephrase his question and he was like, thanks for trying, but no, that's not it. And just kept going. It was insane. And I just, I mean, he did get a lot of good questions. And the answers, a lot of them were silent. I mean, CUPR did not know how to respond. And I think that shows a lot. Because CU's PR stood there not knowing how to respond, saying, I, 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 uh, looking at his lawyer, like, do you want to take this over? And I think that shows a lot as well. It was wild. I mean, they- I don't think anyone would ever expect that hard of a line of questioning, but uh, they, they could have handled it better, that's for sure. And, and again, it goes back to the fact that there a lot of the answers, they were lying. Like, when someone asks you, you can't tell me a 10-win season didn't have an effect on this uh, line of thinking, 
like obviously you have to lie there because you know the truth and you can't say it. So it makes it made for a really uncomfortable setting, but a really great line of questioning. Something that really in was a lot of senses. Something that was intriguing to me was they people were asking questions and the PR and the lawyer just kept referring back to no, you'll have to read in the reports for that. You'll have to read in the report for that. I'm, we're not going to answer that question. And a lot of the people were like, I can't read a 92-page report right now. I'm curious to ask you what you think about this. And they're like, we're sorry. You have to read it in the report right now. Wow. It was interesting. You're supposed to read 92 pages in 20 minutes? Right. Well, oh, and <laughs> one of the biggest uh, points of emphasis for the McKnight guy was that apparently because of legal matters, they had to redact some from the what was given to the press because they can't discuss like personnel and certain things in a public manner because well, of actual laws. But the public version wasn't redacted at all. So if you go to CU's website, no, it's not no, redacted. It was still redacted. Oh, there are? There okay. are redacted, So he was, yeah. like, going off about how, like, he needs, he wants to see the full report and, like, they're lying only, by taking like, stuff out. But like, They said it was only, like, five to ten pages that were taken out that were, like, details um, that the victim didn't want released, also personnel things that are against the law to release. And so... It wasn't like it, there was a lot taken out, like specific things just so the public wouldn't know. It was because of a Colorado law that it couldn't be, those certain things couldn't be released to the public. Really craziest press conference I've ever seen for sure. Jackson's Hole opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports almost 40 years later. And Jack laters, later. And Jackson's All-American Sports Girls keeping their reputation alive. There's 65 and 70 inch TVs everywhere and food is still amazing. There's almost 30 beers on tap including table taps that you control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25 the original sports grill. Uh, our buddy uh, mid-segment last segment joined us, uh, Ted Chalfin the SN Buffs contributor uh, down here for the Rockies game today. I had him come out to the Lake Street Tavern. Uh, we're talking about Mike McIntyre's contract now. Uh, we've moved past all of this details so yeah go ahead Ryan before we go into that oh uh, yes good point speaking of Ted uh, he put out a fantastic story today on Purple <laughs> Row and we don't we rarely um, promote other websites but I would absolutely say go as fast as you can to Purple Row and find his story the, the headline is the fall and rise of Matt Barker Denver's gay baseball player uh, amazing story so uh, Two I thumbs read up. cover to cover and I recommend you do as well Except it was uh, from header to header, really. Right. Well, I say cover to cover because it was basically the length of a book. <laughs> yes. It was very long time. Someone want to give Ted a mic? It was only 5,000 words. I, I, I was 3,000 words shorter than my CU attendance article that I wrote for Ralphie Report two years ago. Oh, God. That, thing was, that? that thing was a monster. Yeah. Uh, I had some things to say. Anyway, Ted. Uh, Thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, of course. Whenever you can, as we always say. Uh, the details on this contract are 16 plus mil. Uh, through 2021, and uh, we've already discussed the optics of him giving the contract or them getting the contract the same week. How do you feel about this contract in general? Uh, what CU has done here, as well as, uh, I guess, is Mike McIntyre still employed by CU in 2021? Ted, if you want to go. It's really difficult for me to separate how I feel about this as a fan of CU football and as a person who takes issues of domestic violence and mandatory reporting very seriously. Go ahead. We seriously. talked about it already, so you can go yeah. ahead, though. You should right. talk about it. No, no. I was just prefacing what I was going to say okay, by saying good. that. 
Um, because I, I, I think that Mike McIntyre, having met him a couple of times, I believe that he is a good person. I don't, I don't want to believe that he would have swept this under the rug on purpose. And I really do believe that what he may have made, mistakes he may have made were honest mistakes and that he actually did care for the safety of the victim in this case. So on that level, I'm happy that it didn't cost him his job because I didn't think he did something worth losing your job over. But I can also see how this is, to a lot of people, just another sign that as long as you win and as long as you bring the university money, you're essentially Teflon and nothing can hurt you. So I can understand why people feel like it's a bad look for them to award him this huge contract right after saying all these different ways he could have behaved differently in this investigation. Well, and let me just add, that's true. Right. As long as you do win, you are Teflon. So it's hard for me to reconcile those things, but selfishly, as a fan, um, I'm happy that he's going to be the football coach and that we're not going to be thrown into another tumultuous period immediately after having the first good season in over a decade. But obviously it's a ton, it's a ton of money and it's way more money than a coach should be getting paid when the athletes aren't getting paid anything, but that's an entirely different discussion. So from my perspective, I, I'm not sure how I would have handled it differently. They already made a show of dragging it out. I don't know what would have benefited um, anybody from dragging it out longer just to not announce it the same week. So I guess that's kind of my thought. My thoughts on it. I think it would have done them well to even wait a month. I know some people said a year, but the same week is just like, I feel like, right. the fact would, this, that, yeah. I feel like this would be discussed in a PR college class at some point. Like, the one we took, perhaps. Right, like, that like what do you? The PR department for CU. Right, like, what do you think of this? Like, what would you do if you were the PR? And like, I feel like even the entry-level students would be like, yeah, definitely wouldn't announce the contract extension three days after the report comes out. And I think that's fair to say. So like, what? There was the dilemma here, and people. I think a lot of people are forgetting this. It was really hard for McIntyre to do his job right now with all this uncertainty around it. I mean, it goes back to winning being everything. Yeah, spring practice was a nightmare. I know you weren't there every day, but, like, spring practice was really weird. I, I went up to him to talk to him after the spring game, and the, I'd done it the previous two years, and he was in, like, really good spirits taking pictures with everybody. And this year, like, he was still smiling and posing for pictures, but you could tell that he was not happy at all and that he had uh, not been sleeping very well when I, when I talked to him. Right, I was so actually kind of shocked at, at how, sh you know, short he was with people and, you know, he you could tell it was really wearing on him. As soon until they until they announce this contract extension, other coaches around the conference can tell a kid, "Hey, look, uh, the board of regents over at CU just tabled that contract extension for Mike McIntyre. You can't even be sure that he's going to be the head coach there next season when you go there." That stuff is really really hard on a coach, even Definitely. if everyone around here knows. Well, he's probably going to end up getting that extension regardless. It's really easy for a mom to sit on her couch and say. Okay, coach. Well, how can I be sure when you know they're not they're not even comfortable giving you a contact sensor right now? So that's why they wanted to announce it as fast as they could. Yeah. And that's the that's the second half of the dilemma because if you just say, oh, well, there's no reason they wouldn't delay it. Well, there is. They needed to get that out there, but I feel like but even three two weeks, days. Like even if they would have announced it, this um, the main meeting happened Monday. Maybe the next Monday. I think that's really early still. But if they really wanted to release it. But three days. I mean, let Derek White get drafted at least. So someone's talking about <laughs> something else between the two things. There, so it was bad luck uh, for sure. But in the end, 
and I agree with what Ted said. I, I do not believe that Mike McIntyre is a bad person. Uh, I think deep down he is a good person. I think he has good values. Put in a bad situation. He was put in a bad situation. He tried to handle it as well as he could have. I think if, if there wouldn't have been anyone telling him not to talk, he probably would have continued uh, to open a dialogue with the victim. It's a very tough situation. Um, so I think in the end, CU fans should be happy. Uh, the guy who brought your program back will be around for a little bit longer. Uh, whether he's here to 2021, this is a, a weird business. People usually don't stay around that long. He's well, either going to go uh, to a higher uh, name. Uh, he, uh, I think he'd love to coach in the SEC. Or he's going to underachieve for a little bit and see who's going to say, hey, uh, our expectations are back up. We don't, we don't do seven-win, yeah. six-win seasons anymore. We need to go back up to that 10-win level. So for him to stay around, he's going to have to have a lot of consistent success um, without the desire to leave. So whether he's going to be here to 2021, that's hard to say. Um, if, I were to, if I were to had to bet on it, I would probably say no, he's not. I agree with a lot of what Ryan said. I also believe Mike McIntyre isn't a bad person. And, I mean, I think you could even tell, like, agree with that if you listen or read the reports of what the victim said her conversations with Mike McIntyre were as soon as she told him what happened. He was very supportive, making sure that she was okay, asking if she needed anything, and really being like, we're going to try and figure this out. And so with that in mind, you see he really, it seemed like he wasn't acting in bad faith in my mind as well. And just because certain things had to happen, like Jake said, maybe he had to protect himself and his family. Lawyers were telling him certain things. It caused him to look bad on his decisions after his conversation. But I think regarding the topic of him being back in 2021, I agree with um, Ryan. He needs to be winning. They need to be going to bowl games every year, and they need to be in the fight for a national championship, or else I don't think he would. Is it okay to give a coach a five-year extension based on one year of performance? Uh, In history of this program, uh, that's (laughs) ill-advised. Yep, and that's – and people know I've been very harsh critic against Mike McIntyre, and – I don't know Mike McIntyre, so I don't want to say I know him to be a good guy or I don't know him to be a good guy. I interact with him for 10 minutes almost every day. That's it. I don't know him like I I know Ryan. I know Allie. I know Ted. You know, I know my parents. I don't know Mike McIntyre. There's a lot going on in his life. Just read the details. He's texting and calling people constantly, recruits, lawyers, whatever. I don't know Mike McIntyre, so I can't say if he's a good or bad guy. And that's coming from a beat reporter, and I don't mean that ill will against Mike McIntyre. I just don't want to stamp that with my name on his to just say, well, Jake said he was a good guy. I don't know. That's the honest-to-God truth of it. So what I will tell you is Mike McIntyre raised a hell of a kid in Jay McIntyre. He's, he's a heck of a kid to me. He's always been a great person to me, uh, and he always is very, very nice to me. So I, that's what I know about Mike McIntyre. But – what I will say about him as a football coach is not a lot of his players love him. And the uh, great coaches, but most of them, most of their, a lot of the time, the great coaches, their players don't love them. And then they realize once they graduated how good their football coach was. And that's a lot, of, and that's the point I was getting to. A lot of the past players I talked to really recognize how Mike McIntyre changed the program, but a lot of guys in the thick of it don't love him. And that's okay. Uh, but what I will say is it, it, a lot of the guys that were recruited 
by Embry or played for Embry and McIntyre, Embry was a big time players coach and McIntyre is not. So that transition is very hard on a program and you saw that with the level of attrition that CU had. But I don't know that Mike McIntyre is a great football coach. I just don't know that. I think he's, he, he's solid, we've seen it for one year. He's obviously a very good recruiter, but how much of this recruiting is based off of John Embry's guys that he pulled in and just took, like Phil Lindsay, Sefa Lufa, and Cheeto Awuzie, and how much of this is based on guys like uh, Darren Cheverini bringing in his freshman class. There's a pretty significant drop-off in, be in the, between the middle of those two classes. Uh, so I don't know if it was the correct decision to, uh, to extend him like this this quickly. So when someone asks me, is this a great contract extension? Are you happy about this if you were a CU fan? I don't know how to an honestly answer that um, because, like you said, even if he continues to keep up this level of performance of 10 wins for a few years, he doesn't play through this whole contract. There's very little way that he plays through this whole contract unless CU, let's say he just absolutely screws the pooch and fails the next few years. And CU's willing to get rid of that money, which they really weren't willing to fire McIntyre before because they didn't want that money. They didn't want that money affecting, uh, they didn't want to be paying a, another coach that wasn't coaching. So I, I don't really know how to feel about this contract extension. When I first went, when it was first signed and first announced and first agreed upon, I thought about it as an overall win for CU. But at this point, I don't know if that's to be true. I also think it really depends on Mike McIntyre. I mean, after a year of him creating the rise, how many rumors did we hear that he was talking to a bunch of different schools? If he continues this for the second year, the third year, a lot, like Ryan said, a lot of schools are going to be interested in him, and it will be his choice if he decides to stay or not. It's interesting. Uh, I think if your coach leaves because you're winning too much, it's a great problem to have. Uh, and I think overall, the fact that CU's back to this point, uh, Mike McIntyre's legacy has already been, I wouldn't say cemented. As he says, cement. Cemented, but uh, it's been etched in stone up to this point. On the facade? <laughs> On the facade. <laughs> um, before I head out, I just got to say that it's going to be interesting for me to see how much of last year's success was the product of a bunch of seniors that took it upon themselves to play out of their minds and leave a legacy here, and how much of it was a product of Jim Levitt coaching that defense who loved to play for him and how much of it was McIntyre and I think the next couple of years you'll find out just how much of that was Mike McIntyre and I think that's a really valid point a point that many people aren't addressing is just how much did Jim Levitt have an impact on this team and we'll never really truly know but this next year is going to say a lot uh, and I know it's hard to say that especially with the turnover on the defense but this next year is going to say a lot in terms of how I feel confidently or not confidently about Mike McIntyre's contract situation with the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, I want to thank Ted for joining us. He's got to head out to go to the Rockies game. It's Pride Night, which is awesome at Coors Field. I'm glad they're doing something like that. That's awesome. Uh, but the last thing we got to talk about in the BSM Buffs podcast, well, I guess there's two more things. Derek White's having a workout with the Nuggets on Monday. We'll have a full report from that uh, Harrison will either be down there or a Nuggets guy who knows way more about basketball than I do because he is a he, <laughs> he is, is a the basketball guy he's a fiend on that so we'll have a full report on that there's a chance that Derek White gets drafted by the Nuggets that would be awesome I uh, saw him and Jay Forty the other night uh, it was good to see them uh, Jay Forty Josh Loves Boulder hashtag Josh Loves Boulder greatest hashtag of all time maybe uh, but the final thing we got to talk about on the BSN Bus podcast this week is uh, 
longtime listeners will remember uh, our Cougar drafts. And uh, classics. We used to draft when the Buffs would play the Washington State I don't State even Cougars know what to say. Or BYU, our three Cougars, a team of three Cougars. And one year. Uh, that was the only draft that I think I did a good job at, right? You did a really good job at that. Who did you pick again? I got called out because Adriana Lima but she isn't had, she had all the, 40. She didn't, ha she didn't have the reserves. Like, we already picked all those people once or twice. I think right, I chose right. Jennifer uh, Anderson. Jennifer Adriana Anderson, Lima. like Eva Mendez, maybe? Or no, I didn't. You said Eva Mendez. Anyways. Anyways. That was the only all-name draft that I was decent at. So, uh, <laughs> well, one Before year, I got the segment canceled. And one of the Cougar drafts, I took Belinda Leon. <laughs> uh, the weather girl at Nine News. And a couple of Allie and I's really good friends are getting wait, married. Wait, wait, wait. You have to tell more of a story okay. than that. Unless you want me to take over. <laughs> okay. Brian's like, they're finding out regardless. So I took, I took Belinda Leon. And Belinda Leon, um, one of our listeners, <laughs> was very was very big fan of this pick. Brian's currently and dying tweeted, laughing. At Chapelish is the pick of all time on the PSN Denver Cougar draft. I can tag like at Chapelish is at PN Denver. He took at Belinda Leon in the second round of the first annual Cougar draft. What a pick. All right. I'm like, all right, this is a good tweet. Like, I'm happy someone re game recognized game. I feel that. Jesus. Belinda Leon about 20 minutes later on Twitter. At Belinda Leon, at Chapelish uh, I'm 32, but I appreciate the sentiment. I don't think I qualify for any cougar drafts. Right. Oh, my God. Poor girl. So, uh, Allie and I's friends are getting married in a couple weeks. They're not my friends? I guess they're your friends, too. You're coming to the That's wedding, That's tip too. of the week. Don't um, assume a girl's age. And will uh, come and bite you. They work at Nine News. One of them works at Nine News. And Belinda Leon's going to the wedding, I found out last night. Uh, and basically, I'm throwing it out to the audience. I'm crowdsourcing this. How do I, what do I do in this situation? Because I have, I have to address it. Well, don't tell, don't tell him what he needs to do, because what he absolutely needs to do is at, never go up to her, never say anything, and well, the, uh, pretend like it never the happened. The bride and the groom what, are telling him I that he should do? do. The bride and the groom told me that I should do it. And they know her a little better. So give us suggestions for Jake. What like what's the best thing that can happen out of this? Like, Jake like writes her a personal letter of <laughs> apology on like BSN Denver letterhead. Basically, um, Ryan's just gonna make Jake do something super embarrassing. So tweet at us so Ryan can choose what's the best thing to make him do. Hey, <laughs> who knows what could happen here? If he pulls, if he plays his cards right, I don't know what her marital status is, but maybe She's he gets a date out kids. of it. Damn it! <laughs> hey, my wife left me, so you know. <laughs> Who knows? What Who goes knows? around comes around. Yeah. Anyways, that has been the BSN Buffs Shoot Podcast. Shot 2017. That's my motto, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot your shot 2017. That has been the BSN Buffs Podcast for today. We will talk to you very soon. Follow all of our content on bsndenver.com. She is Ali Monroy. He is Ryan Koningsberg, And I am Jake Shapiro. Thanks for listening so much, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> How did that end up on my computer? <laughs> Where'd you pull it out of? My bag. <laughs> there was an onion in your backpack? <laughs> no. You should use onions! They're no, sticky boots. It's like nipple covers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought-after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.